Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Thanks for tuning to the Alts Podcast. Today's guests are Zach Boca and Karim Hamadi, co-founders of Alt Exchange. First though, we're recording this on May 11th with the markets bleeding and the big Terra UST meltdown. So we decided to talk about the market. Zach and Kareem share their insights on what to do in a downturn and moving forward. We'll also talk about the Alt Exchange platform and how it's helping investors organize their accounts to become better informed about their money. This is a great discussion about investing, specifically alternatives. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Zach and Kareem. All right, guys. So today we have the co-founders of Alt Exchange with us. Zach and Kareem, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's interesting time. Uh, what a week to kind of get on the podcast, talk about you know investments and what's happening in the market. And certainly, I know you guys are in, are in the thick of it. You guys have had so much experience in this kind of uh, environment before. What I wanted to do though is first, you know, have you guys kind of introduce yourselves as the co-founders of Alt Exchange, what your backgrounds are, and then just talk about the craziness that has been this week. Go for it, guys. Sure, sounds good. I'll I'll, I'll maybe take that. If we if we have bags under our eyes, it's because we're also feeling the the week. But this is actually a good, this is an interesting time for alts especially. But anyway, my background, um, well, for, you know, first off, I live outside of uh, Beaver Creek, Colorado. We're big outdoors, you know, big into skiing. We're raising our two kids here. We're, uh, we relocated by, you know, through Chicago and Nashville and moved here during the pandemic. Professionally, I've been a serial entrepreneur my, you know, my entire career, really since I was 12 or 13, uh, so I've been starting companies and I've had uh, a good run. I've exited four tech companies that have all been focused on digitalizing a specific space. So very manual tasks that we came in and wrote software to you know, provide a better experience and make more efficient. My last company that I sold was a company called Single Hop that had data centers kind of spread out. But I began investing in alts along the way, mainly in 2007, 2008. I won't say that that's similar to where we are today, but there were high emotions and you know, a lot of volatility. And during that time period, alts uh, have, have doubled in size. I think that was a kind of a moment in time where we all said, what do you do to have you know, sort of lower risk, lower volatility, but still you know, achieve some level of return. And so for me, that meant investing in real estate funds, private equity funds, venture funds, industrial stuff like data centers and, you know, a whole bunch of things that I've, that I've found exciting. And so I guess, you know, given, you know, my focus in, in institutional alts is what we'll call these, I began running into issues with a growing portfolio of institutional alts. That's what we're addressing at Alt Exchange. Um, So we're excited to touch a little bit about that, but but I think mainly we're given the time, you know, this week and, you know, really the, the start of the year, 
we're excited to talk about some of the differences between retail alts and institutional alts. So thanks for having us on. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, and I'm Kareem. I joined Zach probably eight to 10 months ago now. My background um, is a little bit more traditional finance. So I worked in investment banking and I worked in private equity. And for the past 11 years, I built out Bloomberg's, you know, private capital markets offerings, everything institutional investors would do to find new alts investments, analyze them, then eventually make the investment and then report and risk them. I'm based in New York City, where most of finance is. Uh, I've been here for a little over 15 years. I'm invested in alts, but institutional, but self-directed. So I've during COVID, I went and spent a bunch of time researching art and figuring out how to get into art. So I didn't go through the crowdfunding platform. So I went directly to artists and that's played out well. But it's an interesting time to see see how accessible, I guess, traditional alts are becoming to retail investors like like all of us on the on the call today. Real quick, can you talk a little bit more about how you went in that art direction? Because um, for a lot of uh, investors right now, what they have to do is go through the fractional platforms. How would you just go straight to the artist? It was sort of interesting. There's there's a lot of. Yeah, I'd, I'd say data is more available on lots of end markets, right? How well is real estate performing? How, you know, collectible cards or comic books or certain art pieces by certain artists. I ended up just doing independent research on appreciation of artists. There's all kinds of algorithms that'll tell you based on this artist type of work here, up and coming artists that have similar aesthetics. And I found, um, you know, someone that, that some people might know about is Mr. Doodle. He's kind of taken off. He did the Samsung launch and he and Fendi and he's been all over the place. But I found him on Instagram about two and a half years ago and I bought directly from him. He had a Shopify site. So I bought a bunch of originals from him, was back and forth with him. And he's now exploded. Now that was luck and it was personal interest. And, you know, anytime I think I think about investing, there is the investment case and the thesis, but when you're doing art or wine or cars or, you know, collectibles, you also need to like what you're buying. So if you're stuck with it, you can actually enjoy it as opposed to, I just have this thing that's worth X dollars, but only if someone's willing to pay X dollars. And if you don't like it, you're sort of miserable owning this thing that's worth X dollars. So yeah, that, that was one thing. I just, I just took a bunch of data and then, and I did a bunch of independent research and I, I haven't gone the more traditional route of doing fractional ownership on some things, right? On other things I do have fractional ownership. So since, since we're jumping into there, you know, uh, alternative investments, how do you see it playing out on a market like this? For a long time, a big selling point was that these alternative investments are uncorrelated to the general market. And uh, I think in the last couple, you know, last couple of weeks, maybe the last couple of months, we've seen that they become more and more correlated uh, in many instances. Does that thesis still ring true? I think the risk and, and, and the danger, and I've and I've learned this as well. I ended up selling some Bitcoin recently because I I basically looked at it as, all right, you know my you know equities are going down, Bitcoin's going down. That wasn't my intended thought with this, and so so my thesis around Bitcoin being uncorrelated to public markets, it it just wasn't holding true. It wasn't happening, and so I think there's a danger to kind of. Putting alts under this umbrella where we say things like, if it's an alt, it's uncorrelated, just because it's a car that's rare or it's a, a comic book that's rare, something that's rare, I don't think that that's enough. I think where we run into problems and what we're seeing now is that if you can actively trade it, and therefore if you can act on an emotion, then 
you know, you, you may. I mean, the old saying of, you know, in real estate, you can't sell it right away. And that's not a, that's not a bug. It's a feature. I think is what has helped alts historically, you know, provide this risk adjusted return. You know, I own real estate directly. I also own real estate through funds and I don't have an option to, to, to just rush out and get out of those. And that I think is a, is a real feature during these really emotional periods like, like today. I think we're all thrilled at the, you know, the idea that we can all access more and, and we can invest in you know, some rare Lamborghini or Ferrari or piece of art. We don't have to take the whole thing down and we can experience the, you know, maybe the exuberance that happens as the market you know, really starts to value that higher. And then it gets repriced on a regular basis. We can exit to get liquidity. Those are all great things, but I don't think they're the same as Kareem owning art, which he enjoys, you know, may not be liquid in this, in this highly efficient market. And he may have to ride out a period and sell it at, you know, sell it at a different time. That's not driven by emotions. Yeah, the only thing I would say is I'm 100% agree with Zach is, you know, just given my background in more traditional private equity, like before you enter a transaction, there's an investment memo done and there's, you know, weeks, if not months of due diligence and you hire consultants. And so there's sort of an expected result that is going to happen. And there's a playbook to get that result to happen or not happen, right? And it's not a near term time frame; It's a multi-year time frame. So when you commit to more traditional venture capital, private equity funds, you know, if you're scared of the markets not doing well, you can't call the manager and be like, sell everything. They're going to be like, no, 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 you hired me. I know this market extremely well. I came into it with a thesis. You bought into that. And like, here's how we're going to go work about investing, increasing the value of those investments and selling. When you then put that in my lap and I see what's going on and interest rates are you know bouncing around and I watch a YouTube video about how crypto's crashing or whatnot, then and I can act on it because there's lots of buyers on the other side of what I might be selling. That's sort of what you're seeing today. There's liquidity, there's a secondary market which is active, and you have self-directed people. And I'm I'm a big proponent of being self-directed and sort of the, the doing it yourself, but you can see how things can go wrong more quickly. And there's a lot more volatility in that space because there's a lot of individual actors and they're more emotional than, you know, professional, more steady handed investors with a longer term outlook and thesis. You know, that word emotion is, is key in investment. And I think that people kind of underestimate that uh, from what I gather, like you can be a financial expert, you can be, you can know all the different, you know, instruments out there, but if you can't handle your, you know, emotions in terms of like, getting scared or freaked out or whatever the case might be, then you might as well throw that other stuff out the window. You know, I just, I just read this uh, really interesting book. It was Dopamine Nation. And it was sort of just this idea. The author goes and interviews tons of people that have different addictions, whether it's gambling, drinking, drugs, doesn't matter. One of the best things that someone with an addiction can put in place is uh, self-binding. Uh, so things that eliminate you know, your ability to access something that triggers that emotional, impulsive urge to do something. And the way I think about my portfolio is I can be very irrational. I don't have a lot of self-binding. I don't have anything preventing me from selling my crypto, sell, logging into my Schwab account and selling something. If things, like if I really get, you know, down on what's happening in the world, 
But but then there's my other part of the, my portfolio where I am legally obligated. You know, if I call the you know the the fund manager who has the Amazon warehouses that I've invested in, and I say I want to get out, there's no one to call for that. So I, I sort of think of it as it's like give me a part of my portfolio where I do have this barrier, I have this inability to access it, which raises different problems. And this is what we talk about when we say. There's retail alts, and we should think about retail alts as volatile, repriced often, the ability to trade, you know, both sides of, you know, buyers and sellers acting emotionally to, to, to perhaps drive, you know, drive the value. And then institutional, which is the complete opposite. It's not priced often. Maybe it's pri- repriced quarterly. There's very little liquidity. You're in for a long period of time. And you just have to sort of go into it with that mindset and understand that that's what that part of your portfolio is going to look like. And I think I think you got to know why you're investing in, into something, right? I think that's kind of the key as well is understanding your time your time horizon, and then also like like you guys mentioned, I mean, it could be a piece of art that you really enjoy looking at, but then it could also be like these traditional equities, right? Stocks where you believe in the company and not just, you know, you just believe in it for one year, but you believe it in over, I don't know, five to 10 years. So what are the opportunities right now? If you're an investor, what do you do? What are, what are some, some things? I mean, you hear on social media right now, buy the dip, buy the dip. And then you hear about all these, um, you know, whales, quote unquote whales, or just sniping, quote unquote sniping. I'm just using a bunch of, you know, Twitter language, you know, these, these stocks that are going down, crypto that's going down. Do retail investors have the ability to act like whales? Is that, is that a legitimate way of going about this market right now? Yeah, one thing kind of going back, there, there's a quote I like a lot. I think Ben Franklin said it, which is, uh, it's easier to be a philosopher than to live by your own philosophy, right? And it's, it's kind of, a lot of times you'll know what you're supposed to be doing, but then actually doing it, you know, the right way. So like you, you might come into something and be like, oh, I think, you know, home prices in New York City are going to stay stable. And then you're here and you see everything happening and you just don't know anymore. You kind of threw out your investment thesis. You're focused on current events. You're focused on what you might want to do. And so you act differently. And if you, when you look back, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, right? The whole hindsight is 2020 thing. So as far as like what people should be doing, can they be whales? If you think about the market, like the only way you can sell something is if there's someone on the other end that wants to buy it, right? It's not like you're selling to a, a, you know, a black box somewhere. So someone on the other end has a different perspective than you have on that security or that asset, right? Whether it be a house or a collectible or a car. So I guess what I try to do and I would advise people to do is, you know, everybody has different interests and they have different knowledge, right? So you may know collectibles way better than I do. Zach may know wine way better than I do. And so, I try to go back to learning and coming up with like a fundamental thesis and like why I believe something to be true, whatever it may be, and just spend a bunch of time learning about it. And one thing that that I've been kind of surprised by is, you know, traditionally you'd go get investment bank research from the sell side and you'd re- read all these reports. Now between like Twitter and YouTube and some newsletters, which are either free or small costs and like all these online um, portals, you know, watching webinars at different crowdfunding sites, you'll learn a lot about industries, about asset managers, about how assets perform, and then kind of come up with, you know, what are you interested in? What's your thesis behind something? And then you go and you find those types of investments. So I think there are investments every day of every week to be had and made. 
So can you be a whale? Yes. Are there attractive investment opportunities today? Yes. Um, what those are for everybody, I don't know. I, I would say focus on something you're interested in and you know, whether it be a geography or an asset class you know really well, and then have a theory on which way it's going to go and why and what are your assumptions, and then figure out the best thing you can buy that you know will benefit from those assumptions coming true. And then measure over time, right? If you're wrong, great, you get out of it. If you're if you're not wrong and the market you know is going a different way, then you just have to you have to be steady. To add to that, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I'm thinking about my portfolio and where I where I invest today and where I get excited, specifically about alts. My index or my public equity strategy is to own index funds and to try to you know, control my costs to try to get exposure when there are, you know, more exposure when there are, you know, corrections. But, you know, I sort of, that's pretty passive for me. Bond markets are terrible right now. They're, you know, you can get, you know, you can get a bit more yield than you could a few weeks ago because interest rates have risen. But you just, it, they're too volatile for me. I'm sitting in cash. I've gotten more out of, you know, munis into, because of the volatility, into, you know, even treasuries, which don't, you know, they're not very exciting, but they're yielding something. But specific to alts, I like real estate. I like multifamily. I like industrial. And I like private lending. Private lending offers real return uh, real yield over, you know, uh, without the daily volatility over munis and, 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 and I mean, significantly more income. And then real estate, what I look for are um, low fees, which you can accomplish today. So in terms of being able to sort of invest like a whale um, in the alts world, that's largely, you know, access, who can you access? And can you, can you kind of be at similar economics? Like, can you control your fees? Uh, and and, and we, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, 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 but real estate, I look for good value add uh, opportunities where the, where the operator is going to make improvements in good markets. I think we, had, we, had a, we talked to an asset manager yesterday. The rental growth rate in Miami year over year was like 26%. Dallas is like you know, 10 or 12%. And there are still opportunities in those markets. They're expensive. But if you have enough of a value add and you believe that rents can continue you know, to increase, which most Miami and Dallas, op- Austin operators believe that there's a big enough shortage in housing that they can, then I think, I think real estate's great. But here's the other thing, putting aside asset classes, regulations have actually kept up with the space really well. We've seen the fractional platforms and all of that. But as far as institutional deals, what's really cool that's happening now uh, is what I'll kind of call like more of a direct-to-consumer model where asset managers, operators can go directly to investors. They can bypass advisors. So you don't have to have an advisor to get these deals. And so you're not paying anything beyond just the asset manager fee. You can do that on platforms like CrowdStreet, Realty Mogul, great platforms, I believe. But you can also find these deals direct. You can go out and look for, specifically, it's a 506C exemption, uh, which allows an asset manager to advertise to find investors. You have to be accredited. You're going to lock your money up for a period of time. But I think that that's, um, you know, putting aside 
you know, if you want to trade, trade, um, but just know that, you're, you know, if you're trading fractionals, that's what you're doing. Don't get a lot of comfort out of, you know, it falls under the alts bucket. And so it's going to be uncorrelated. I don't think that's true. I think that if you're looking to just kind of park some money for a period of time, I like the 506C exemption. It, get, it, get, it gets you good access. Um, and, and also what you guys are doing, uh, the Alts co-fund, that pushes you to take away emotions. I mean, you invest in the fund. I'm, I think that there's a 10-year life, I, I believe. Um, and so you're in it, you know, and then professionals are running it. I think that those are the opportunities right now. Get away from kind of emotional trades. You know, real estate is kind of like old reliable. And I, I know that uh, we've talked a lot about that as well. So the other thing is, you know, if, if you're invested in certain platforms, you know, you get some you know, residual paychecks every so often, you get a piece of that rent check and things like that. You benefit from cash flow and you also benefit from the appreciation. Let's talk about alt exchange. You know, your experience, you guys, you know, uh, in, in equities and in, in, in private deals and also with these alternative investments. How did you develop alt exchange with your experience in mind for, for the consumers to use? You know, first off, we're we're big advocates for institutional alternatives as a way, especially in this market. But it's not all roses, right? There are challenges with institutional um, private equity and institutional alternatives, and and that's what we, you know, um, in in our own ways, we were we were addressing this kind of in our in, in different careers. I was investing in alts, and the issues that I had that we address at Alt Exchange are really understanding your performance. Things aren't priced daily. There's no active market where a buyer is going to tell you what they're willing to pay. You get periodic distributions. You commit a certain amount of capital to a fund. They call it over a period of time. And then at the end of the quarter, they, they, do, they send out generally what's called a, a capital count statement. A hedge fund will send out a monthly statement. They're pricing you know, more on a monthly basis. And so, you know, I was investing in 35 different funds and, and I have, so I have 35 different portals to log into, uh, not including startups and crypto and other things, 35 different portals to log into. And I, I get these statements that honestly didn't make any sense to me. So I didn't know how things were performing. I, I didn't stay up on the math. Asset managers generally are real estate guys, they're lenders, they're, they're not providing the very best reporting experience. It's just not their bread and butter. And so there's a lot of friction, just like collecting K-1s at the end of the year. Our thought, we teamed up, our thought was alts are going to make up a bigger part of investors' portfolio. And why shouldn't they have an experience that's any different than logging into their brokerage account? You log into your brokerage you see the, you know, Schwab effectively tells you how something, how your investment in Amazon's performing. And you log in at the end of the year, beginning of the year, you, you download your, your K-1s. It's nice and easy, right? Just one place to log into. And, and so that's what we, we built Alt Exchange to give this brokerage-like experience to this very fragmented space. And we, you know, we, we serve investors of all sizes, small investors, family offices, Family offices who, who don't want to manually, you know, enter all of this transactional data from PDFs and we serve financial advisors. So, so we give this really good plaid-like experience that feels a lot like your brokerage where you can just see at an instance how things are performing, how they compare, 
You can manage capital calls and do a whole variety of other of other things to just take out some of the friction of investing in alts. I want to I want to get Kareem's take when you mentioned plaid like experience. I kind of want to just touch there for a minute. So you know you're basically streamlining it, right? I mean, to where the users can just input a little bit of information and then it it can download or upload you know a bunch of information at once. Yeah. So, you know, an example, let's say if you if you had an investment in the Altsco fund, right, that's one source of data and you'd have to go figure out, you know, the assets that are in there. If you had a Coinbase account, there's another source. So it's another app on your phone you'd have to open up. If you had a friend startup and they happen to manage it at Carta or CapTable.io, there's a third source you'd have to log into. So you have a web browser, you open up a few tabs, you'd log into three sources, you could look at them. And then what most people end up doing is creating an Excel file or a Google Doc and they type in all this stuff and they keep track of it, right? And you're getting communication via email. Hey, you owe a little more money or we just sold this, you're going to get money back or we have a new offering for you to want to invest. So you're sort of in multiple sources at all times and there are certain events throughout the year, whether it be tax time, whether it be thinking about how things are performing, do you want to allocate more money or, or what's, what are you on the hook for? What have you not funded yet that you might need to fund? And so technology sort of well suited to meet that challenge. So sort of like a mint or personal capital where you log into your bank account, your credit card, and it helps you with budgeting. You would do the same thing. You'd look up Coinbase, put your username or password. We're now connected to Coinbase. You look up Carta, you put your username and password. We're now connected to Carta. And we go out to all those various sites. We download all the documents and transactions for you. We structure this unstructured data and we give you a very simple dashboard to look at you know, what your investments are, how they're performing, what money you might owe, what money has been returned to you. And then you know, we refer to sort of your advisor and your tax accountant as your team. So whether you use an advisor or not, you can bring them into the fold. They can now see your investments. They can talk to you about your holistic wealth alongside your public investments. And your your accountant at the end of the year now has one place with all your tax documents in it. So you're no longer sending an email or doing a Dropbox folder with all that stuff. So it's really just a what do you do as a human to go track all of these? And how does technology replace you needing to go log in and download, go log in and download? And we just sync that process every night and give you a front end to look and analyze those investments to hopefully better inform you. And then you make better decisions with your next investment. And if I could add one thing to that, one of the, you know, one of the great things about, you know, investing in retail platforms is that they're digital first, right? I mean, if you log into any of these platforms, you can see in real time, you know, what your investments look like, their value, all of that. That doesn't represent, I don't know what percentage you would guess, but that's probably 1% of, you know, maybe with crypto, a few percent of the overall alternative investment space. The private equity, venture, private lending, these massive asset classes, they live in PDF world and there's no structure to the PDFs. And so, so as an investor, as an LP, limited partner, you get just like bombarded with all these statements. There's no place to kind of log in to just like see your value or see, you know, the multiple uninvested capital or, or just even understand the performance. Uh, what we do is we, we take all of those PDFs in and we, you know, a number of machine learning models that we, that we run the PDFs across and we extract what we need to so that we can give, as Kareem mentioned, we can structure the unstructured data. It's a really backward space. It's like 34% of industries have not been you know, digitized. This is in that space. It just hasn't been. And so we're doing this very bottom-up approach 
where on where we'll meet the asset manager with whatever format they have in how they send out data and we'll structure it automatically and give it to users so that they can just see very clearly how an investment's performing. Um, and so in that experience, we're kind of like, like I think an analogy is like today, imagine going to Amazon and saying, Amazon, I'm an investor with you. How are you performing? You choose the metrics that you want to tell me. You give me the narrative. We don't do that. We have a third party that does that. We have your brokerage account. And so that's the the real experience that we're giving you. It's a third party where we just take in the data and then we give you this sanitized view of all of your investments, you know, with similar metrics. You mentioned before, this is built for, you know, anybody, right? I mean, it could be an individual investor. It could be for, you know, institutional investors even. And it seems like it, it would streamline a whole lot of things. What are maybe some barriers, you know, some things where people are maybe a little hesitant to put all their information into one database, right? Where they might, they might maybe be shy from that for whatever reason. I can think of maybe a couple of reasons, maybe security or, or breach of data or privacy. Is that a concern at all? Absolutely. You know, we've built our system based on this fundamental concern. Um, you know, I have my entire portfolio, you know, in this database and, you know, we, we have, you know, a ton of effort put on security. There are standards in fintech that, that help us that many other fintech companies follow that are also handling, you know, handling, you know, really important data like this. So no, we, you know, we've built with best practices. It's something that we have to constantly, you know, improve. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, 90 plus percent of what we log into are reporting portals. And so they're not transaction portals. They're how is, you know, give me a, they're, they're effectively document vaults, even something like Carta. Carta is, is, you know, uh, you know, effectively storing documents with that information, you, you can learn about someone's performance and, and how they're investing, but you can't place trades or transact, but yeah, no security is massively important. I would say, you know, other reasons why you may not use a system like this, it's really, it begins to be very helpful for someone that has three or more investments. Short of that, you know, what we do because of that is we, we give, we give uh, up to, a, we track up to a million in assets for free. And so if you have less than three investments, you have, you know, kind of smaller investments, come use the platform. You know, it'll, give you a different view. It'll give you a third party view of performance. You know, it'll just, you know, make your life a bit easier, but where we really add value is to, is to someone that has, you know, more complexity uh, in their portfolio. And I think what's going to happen in periods like now drive this, I think that the fractional platforms are going to be an on-ramp to alternatives. And, and I really want to see all of these do well. I, I want, you know, but I, I do believe that, I mean, I just saw a stat the other day that Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley believes that all of the retail trading since the start of the pandemic, all of the gains have been wiped out. And so um, I'm not sure, you know, their basis for that. I hope that's not true. But if you're, if you're a retail trader and you quit your job in 2020 and you became a full-time investor and you, you know, were a professional you may not be a professional any longer, right? I mean, you you know, you might you might have bought the dip 
too many times. And but but we view this. We love what's happening with investors becoming, you know, with with retail, the investor, you know, just just massive movement. And we think we think that many of these investors will graduate or move on to, you know, to kind of protecting more of their dollars in institutional funds. And that's where that's where we add the most amount of value as a platform. Yeah, I agree with Zach on all those, you know, complexity, some number of investments. And we think that complexity will probably increase over time because, you know, there are multiple, you know, wine platforms, there are multiple art platforms, there are multiple collectible platforms. So even if you choose to to focus in one area, you're probably going to make investments across multiple platforms, including maybe some direct. The other thing that we've, we've heard of, which is sort of like a, a benefit, is in your traditional um, financial accounts, whether it be a brokerage or, or a bank account, there's the concept of a beneficiary, right? If something happens to me, God forbid, you know, here's here's who uh, gets or should have access to my account and my capital. A lot of the crowdfunding platforms, you know, especially when you do deals direct, it's a it's a PDF document on a drive somewhere. So there's you know there's the concept of what if something happens to me? How does everybody know where I have all of these other investments? So even just a, a cataloging of your investments and like keeping track of them and then passing them on to whoever may need to have access to them is a is a huge benefit, which is sort of like a secondary benefit to being able to aggregate these investments successfully for an investor. Um, yeah, and, and security is something we talk about daily, right? So th- there are different ways there, are, you know, we're trying to be best practices all the way. Also, um, any platform you can transact on, you know, we didn't start with those platforms. We started with the most complicated structuring the PDFs, which are more document driven. Um, but yeah, it's a definite concern. And it's, it's sort of the world we all live in. So certain people are never going to engage with it, no matter if you have the best security and other people see the value you're providing is over, you know, the security breach. Uh, risk, which we have in our daily lives, just being digital first nowadays. You know, I, I can relate to that. I mean, as far as listing everything in an Excel file, and as I start listing some things, not that I own a ton of stuff because I, I don't, but even the, the the few accounts that I do have, and it's like, what's the best way for me to leave this for somebody, for my wife or for my kids? And it actually becomes pretty daunting, you know, uh, you know, when you're when you start putting certain things in, and you start thinking about all the accounts that you actually do have. So I totally relate to that. I guess. As far as the, the platform goes, this is kind of my, my last question, guys, and, and it's so so great to talk to you guys about about Alt Exchange and, and kind of the market. People want to want to you know they want to get on Alt Exchange at the moment. What can they upload? What what specifically can they upload? I know we, we talked a little bit about this. If somebody has uh, an account, say on Rally Road or uh, you know on all these different fractional sites, can they do that right now? Or are we talking right now more you know uh, bigger players? I guess maybe like like pension funds and things like that. Yeah, sure. So there's call it around 25 to 30 live sites we're, we're synced with today. So most of the large fund administration portals, which is where traditional institutional private equity and venture capital, like the likes of iCapital, eFront, SunGuard, SSNC, IC Secure Cafe, those are all on board and those are more document driven. For startups, you know, we have Carta, we have WeFunder, we have Republic real estate, we have CrowdStreet, the Rally Roads, Collectibles of the World, they're on our list. Um, They'll actually be coming in the near term. But again, we started with sort of the most complex extract from PDF and bring in. Then we went on to startups and then crypto will be out in call it the next two weeks. So if you have a wallet or an account somewhere, you'd be able to track crypto too. So traditional today, a few of the leading call it real estate and startups today that I mentioned, 
crypto in the very, very near future. And then we'll move on to like the longer tail of collectibles as well as like farm trader, acre trader, some of the more, you know, nuanced or focused uh, web platforms. The goal is breadth, right? We don't want to just be a partial solution. We're going to get there over time, but we want you to be able to like go everything. Our, our, our goal is to have access to everybody and be totally interoperable. We're not trying to choose sides. We're not trying to take business away from everybody. We're just trying to say, all of us have this problem and how can we just work with everybody to bring all the data into one system in order for that user to analyze it and then work with their team on hopefully making better alts investments. So we're huge proponents of the alts industry and like working with all the players in the alts industry. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the only thing I would add to that is that we, you know, we're working with financial advisors today who want, who want better clarity in how their investors are investing in, you know, in different alts. We're adding crypto next week. So we'll have 30, 30 or so different exchanges. So uh, we'll have crypto in. And then we're really, we're addressing the problem really well for real estate investors, uh, private equity investors, hedge fund investors, uh, VC. Um, and the way we think about it, 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 you know, as well as startups, the, so we ha- we're going asset class by asset class and building out the connections that are most prevalent in that space, Juniper Square, Groundbreaker, two, you know, two um, integrations we have that we see often in real estate syndicates. And so we go asset class by asset class. And as we get more demand for new, for new types of assets like crypto, then we, um, you know, put our focus there. Going to have to check it out for sure, guys. I mean, uh, it, it just seems like it, it would make life a lot easier and, and make any investor more intelligent about where they're putting their money in. Zach Kareem, I mean, uh, thanks for for being on the podcast. It was great talking to you guys today. Anything you guys want to leave us with? Uh, any any little nuggets? Anything? Any optimism for the coming weeks, coming months as we weather this kind of storm? Don't log into your brokerage account. It's interesting. I you know I saw something this morning about how bottoms aren't called by good news; they're called by bad news. And so so we saw. It's like inflation was incredibly high this morning, but it wasn't quite as bad as we thought it would be. And, and I didn't know quite what to think of that. But if you're in, if you're in a bunch of munis, this isn't investment advice, but there are a bunch of things out there that, you know, even, you know, we've talked about a lot of like 10 year funds, you know, I'd encourage people to check out things like Blackstone, like Bcred and Breit. There are, you know, more liquid, more institutional, big balance sheets types of, you know, products being offered. Um, but no, uh, short of that, uh, thank you so much for the time. Enjoyed, enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, I would, I would say thanks a ton for having us really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, anything potential people want to know about alt exchange, please reach out. You know, Zach and I are always available. Um, you know, whether it be integrations, exchanges, knowing more, reach out to us as far as investments. I don't follow this very well, but I wouldn't be the don't look. It's if you're, if you're really stressed out and you're checking every day, the value of stuff, you're probably overexposed to certain things. Maybe you shouldn't be. So I would say think, think long and hard about it. And then if you're not, and you feel comfortable and you just don't want to see the noise, then just ignore it for a little bit, you know, give yourself a break from looking at it and beating yourself up over it or worrying about what's going to happen. So, um, but continually just educate yourself. That's the best thing I think anybody can do is just look at what you got and, and think about which way the world's going to go and then try to optimize that balance between the two. Some great advice, guys. Zach Kareem, thank you very much. Uh, guys, check them out on altexchange.com. They're more than, more than happy to speak with you guys uh, about their platform and any investment needs you guys may have. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
the markets are tough right now, but it seems like this is different because of how involved cryptocurrency is this time around. Zach and Kareem provided some really great tips on how to play a bear market and the pros and cons of being a retail investor with the ability to sell in the midst of a drastic drawdown. I hope that the current market has been kind to you and even if it hasn't, that you have a path forward. A big thanks to Zach and Kareem for getting on the podcast and a big thanks to you for spending part of your day with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, let others know about it or leave a review or a comment. Until the next time, take care.